Pam and I have been gone from you for three weeks, and um, we've spent some time away celebrating our anniversary. She's not here again today because we got back the next day. She left for a family reunion, so she's gone again. So I hope to see her in September. So, <laughs> so interesting thing about this, this trip, after, and we, we started working on this because this, this was our 40th year anniversary trip, and so we'd been planning it for about a year, and, and I'm one of those people who getting ready for it and finding the great deals and, and, and getting all that taken care of is just as much fun as being there. It just, I, I kind of get into that. And, and so we had gotten the, the flights already taken care of and where we were staying and all the lodging was in place and, and last year as we were doing this. And then after we had got it all sealed and, and, and done, our daughter had called and, and said, well, I got to tell you, she said, and, and bottom line is she said, I'm, I'm pregnant, we're going to have another baby. And I said, well, what date? What's the date? And she said, well, May 18th, which happened to be the day that we were leaving for our, our time. So we figured it was, it's going to be okay because then she can have the baby and get settled back in the house, and we'll stop in Colorado on the way back and spend a week with her. And so that's how it happened. We got there. We got, and instead of going to the house and having her hand us a, a brand new baby, she handed us the two-year-old Xander, who we just adore, and she said, can you take care of him? this child in my womb does not want to come out. So at that point, she was a little over two weeks overdue. And, and, and just, I mean, she, I told her she had a rear end on backwards. It was just, she just. <laughs> so, and that didn't go over well. So they, they, headed, they headed for the hospital to try to do some more inducement. She tried castor oil and hiking and, it just and and I told her she should call in a deliverance ministry and just see if they could cast that thing out. <laughs> so they went to the hospital and for about 48 hours they tried to induce and that child would not move. So they finally said, "Look, it's been over it's been over two weeks, and for the sake of you and the baby, we need to do a C-section, which was just totally opposite of what she wanted because it was going to be a delivery at home in a pool type of thing and." The whole natural thing, which just me being a traditionalist just freaks me out. Pools are not for babies, they're for swimming. And just so this was totally opposite. They did, so she said that they put the epidural in and she's, she's laying on the table and, and, and the, the lady surgeon is, has cut her open and, and reaching in and the baby just so high, massaging the baby down. And, and then she, Christy said she heard, she heard the, the doctor say, oh, I've never, I've never seen this before. Well, you don't want to hear that <laughs> when you got a baby coming out. I, I, I've never seen this before. And then she said, one, two. And Chrissy goes, what do you mean two? She said, no, 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 three, four, five. She said, your son has the umbilical cord around its neck five times. <laughs> Gasp. So now we know why the baby wasn't coming out. And so... End of the story is uh, the baby is fine and, and Christy is fine and it was it was it, it was it was a wonderful thing that God had taken care of all of that in advance. Interestingly, for you that believe in prayer, my mom, when she had heard that Christy was pregnant, began to pray obviously for the baby. And as she's praying for the baby, God places into her spirit to pray specifically for a safe delivery and especially something about the umbilical cord. So I want, you to I want to tell you that when you pray, God can give you insight in, into those things. So anyhow, uh, Pam and I got to, to hang out for several days and, and, and hang out with Sebastian William McConnell. 
Yeah, good-looking kid. And, and so, one of the great things about doing that is we get to hold the baby and, and, and Pam and I get to, to, to love on that child and, and we get to pray over that baby. And then, as I'm holding my grandson, my mind is wandering as to what will this child become? And I begin that prayer process. And I want you to understand this morning that in the role that I serve here for you as a, as a pastor, and the scripture calls us a shepherd, I have that same feeling. In fact, Paul the Apostle talked about it. He, he, he talked about it, I think it was in, to the church in Thessalonica. He said, I'm, I'm like a, a mother who wants to nurture her child and a father who wants to protect that child. There is this, this, this fatherly feeling that I have for you. And the question I have for you this morning is the same that I had for, for little Sebastian, is I wonder what you'll become. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 70, but still, there's things happening in your life. What are you becoming? And this is a really important time for us to ask that question because we're surrounded in the last couple of weeks with all sorts of graduations. And a lot of decisions are being made now. Do I, do I continue with my education? Uh, do I go get a job? Uh, is it time now to, to get married? Shrek, by the way, congratulations, dude. Shrek, Shrek just got engaged. Yeah. I always told him, if, you, if, if you're like me, you find a woman who loves you and actually will say yes, hang on to her, because that's a, that's a, that's a rarity, and especially for you, Shrek. That's a great thing, so <laughs> good job, dude. And so we've got these questions, and some of us have such difficult times making decisions. Some of you, you know, you can't, you struggle just at the restaurant deciding whether it's going to be fish and chips or, or a cheeseburger. You just don't know what to do. And so what about the really tough decisions that, that have such severe impact on our lives? How do we know what choices to make? What will I do? Where will I go? Do, do I take out a school loan? Do I work while I go to school? What, what's the best thing for me to do? It, decisions are tough. Uh, my sister Jeannie, when she graduated from high school, had a friend named Janelle, and Janelle was interesting. Uh, Janelle had, was one of those people, well, I'll tell you what she did. She, she went to apply for a job after graduation, and on the application, it had this question, do you make decisions easily? And she circled no. Then she crossed it out and circled yes. And she didn't get the job. <laughs> decisions can be tough. And often we feel like when it comes to all these major decisions, we'd rather just climb back into the protection of, of, of a really safe womb. Because there's this fear that, that, that will, will actually embrace us and circle around us and keep us from moving because we're fearful we're going to make the wrong decision. It's going to have such an adverse impact on us. And so we don't move. We don't, we don't want to deal with it. And so I want to challenge us this morning to grasp this truth. And we've just been singing about, here's my heart, Lord, you know, speak what is true. And, and here's the truth for you. The truth is this, that when we follow Jesus, he will move us outside of our birthplace, outside of that womb. He will, because whatever he's forming in you right now, and he is, it is because he's going to birth you into something else. He's always moving us to something new, something fresh. If his mercy is new every morning, so are his plans for us, something different for us. When the followers of Jesus 
heard Jesus say, come follow me, which by the way, he said that in the very beginning when he first met them. And before he ascended back into heaven after his death and resurrection, he said, follow me. They didn't really understand until they really got into this that part of that was a directive that said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now that preaching the gospel thing, that, that gospel is, is really the word good news. And, and sometimes we explain it this way, the good news is this, that God left his place to come to our place, to take our place so that he could take us back to his place. That's the good news. But he said, so I want you to go into all the world and do that, which was just a really strange and odd and very terrifying directive because the average citizen in the first century never went beyond a 30-mile radius of their birthplace. And that's like you being born at St. Vincent's and you never make it past Meadville. And so when he said, you're going to go, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. So I want to tell you that if you're one of those people that, that routine is important and because you have, you know, you have Tuesday as macaroni and cheese and, and Thursday is, is, is chicken and, and Saturday is barbecuing and that's been that way for the last 20 years, Jesus is going to mess with you. He will mess with you. Because following Jesus requires doing what we've never done and going where we've never been. You just, you just don't know. I, I see, I see, I was talking to Tom Matt earlier, and, and Tom, you know, Tom went through the season where, where he just said, God, where do you need me to go and work? And Tom, you were overseas for, for a, a couple of years. Just, and, and, and Cindy was here by herself say, and saying, God, what are you doing? And so I'm going to tell you that when, when you, you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, he is going to mess with you and have you do things that you've never done and put you in places that you've never been. And if your life is boring right now, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to just tell you that I contend that if your life is boring, it's because you're not seeing the opportunities that Jesus has for you because Jesus is never boring. In fact, his recruiting poster should say this, meet Jesus and bring a toothbrush. Because he's taking you somewhere. And the question for you today is, where's he taking you? He designs, and we decide. Are we going to do that? He guides, we agree. So this morning, I want to give you some principles on, on making some solid decisions. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first step on this thing because it really is the foundational, fundamental piece. And then we'll get through the other ones uh, in, in shorter fashion. But, but I want to start with, with this thought, and, and, and this is it. The with, W-I-T-H, the with is more important than the what. When Jesus told the apostles, hey, you're, you're going to go around the world, he qualified it. And, he, and here's, what, here's what, what he, he said about the journey. He said, and be sure of this, I am what? With you always, even to the end of the age. You see, the accompaniment is the key to this thing. The be together is the vital part. It's the priority. It's always been that way for Jesus. As Jesus gathered his people together that they were going to follow him, listen how it's described. Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, obviously, said this. He appointed 12 designating them apostles that they might be what? With, say it again. With, will you circle that? And that he might what? Send, circle that, out to preach, send them out to preach, and to have what? 
authority, circle that, to drive out demons. There are three wonderful steps in this process. The first is, he said, I'm going to have you come just be with me. That's the most important part. You're just going to be with me. And while you're with me, then you're going to hear me say, I, I think I need somebody over there. Now, we have in our head, we're with Jesus. He says, okay, I got to go, so I go. No, 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 just wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Even while you're going, understand, he said, I am with you always. So when Jesus says we're together, go over there, you're not going by yourself. He's with you. He takes you over there, and then he says, when you do that, I'm giving you authority. And that word authority, we've got to grab that. Because if we don't understand the word authority, then, then it freaks us out when he says, we're going to take you over here. That's where we're going. I'm with you. Well, that's great. But he said, I'm going to give you authority too. That word authority breaks down into this. I'm going to give you ability. That wherever I'm asking you to be and to do, I'm giving you the ability already when you arrive to do that. It means the word ability. It means the word capacity. I have filled you up, and already within you are the abilities and, and the understandings and all that you need to know before you get there. You already have the capacity. You have the ability. You have the capacity. And he said, I'm giving you the mastery. You will master this thing. Before you get there, I've given you the ability to master it already. But you got to be with me so that I can send you, that you can see the opportunity. And then, because I'm involved, you will master the situation. Being with Jesus, being with Jesus has priority over just trying to figure out what is best or where I'm going and how I'm going to do it and am I trained to do it. Being with him is the key you have to begin with. It is so vitally important because what happens is because we are with him, that wherever we end up, whatever we end up doing, there are people observing, and what they're observing is that we are with him. And if they see us with him, we are already doing what he said we were supposed to do, which was go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that gospel is, he came into this world, and he's now living in my life, and he's part of my life, and look, you can see it happen. So we, we've got some, some friends of many of you in this place, the Kramers, who took off yesterday to move down, or the day before, to move down to Atlanta. We're going to miss them. But, but as I, I thought about this this week, they did that. They walked the process. They were with Jesus, and Jesus said, okay, this is where you're going to go. And before they get down there, they should already know that he has given them mastery of over Atlanta. That he's given them the abilities to, to function there. He's given them full capacity to deal with that. And as they are doing that, there are going to be friends around them and co-workers are going to see them and go, oh, that's what it's like to be with Jesus. That's the deal. You see, we may think that he's going down there for a job. Jesus says, I'm sending you down there because you need to go into all the world and let people know what it's like to be with Jesus. That's why you're there. Pam and I were at a crossroads at one point, trying to figure out in the past what, where our next step was going to be in our vocation. And so I, I called a friend. And, and this guy's friend, uh, his nickname is Tex. His real name is Alan. And he's been a follower of Jesus for a lot of years, a lot of years. And he has this depth of relationship with Jesus. And he has this wisdom about following Jesus. And, and he's, just, he's, he's been a counselor to us. So I, I called him. I said, hey, Tex, here's the deal. 
we need to take another step. We really feel we need to do something new. And, and I can go A or I can go B. I don't know what to do. And, and then he said this to me, which, which I understand. But even the way he said it, it, it first kind of is shocking. He said, A or B, huh? I said, yeah. He said, you've been praying? I said, yeah, we've been praying. We just want what Jesus wants. He said, okay. He said, I think you'll understand this. A or B? He said, I don't think Jesus cares. Because here's the truth. The depth of intimacy creates the lens of opportunity. That as I am in intimacy with Jesus, I begin to see things the way he does. And I see the opportunity the way that he sees it. And when I see the opportunity, it just makes divine common sense, is what I call it. It's just, I should just go do that. Because that just makes sense. If you watch Paul the Apostle on his journeys, and, and Luke is recording that in the book of Acts, you don't read where he said, okay, so we went here, and then, and then we got done, we said, okay, Jesus, where's the next step? And then we interceded for weeks, and then they moved over here, and then, okay, Jesus, what's next? It said, well, we figured out the best place to go was Cyprus first. We went to Cyprus, then we went to Perga, and then we went to Lister, then we went to Derby, and then we went to this, to this riverside, and then we went to this synagogue, and then we went to this, this place. And, 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 and only at one point do we know that something supernatural happened, and, and God will give us directives supernaturally. That's happened to us, to Pam and me before. He'll do that. And in, in Paul's case, it was, and Luke recorded, he said, God just said, stop. And then Paul has this vision of a man in Macedonia saying, hey, come over here. So, oh, we'll go over there. Makes sense. My, my brother-in-law, Kent, was, was doing what he thought he should be doing in life, and, and he was eating it at a Burger King. And he looked out the window, and suddenly the parking lot was no longer the parking lot, but he had this vision of people in Africa. And God began to speak to him and say, I need you over there. But you can't go unless you promise me that you'll, you'll finish the job I'm sending you to do. And so they packed up, they went to Africa, and they have spent years, and, and they finished that, and then it morphed into him now being in India so there are those supernatural moments. But in the absence of a supernatural thing, God says, just use your divine common sense by being with me. Just say, well, this just makes divine sense. I'm just going to go do this thing. And so we just go, okay, God, I'm just moving with you. Some of you call it listening to the Holy Spirit. Talking inside of you saying, this just, this just feels like part of the puzzle. This feels like the next step. I feel free inside that this is the thing I should do. Some people call that the release and the check of the Holy Spirit. Should I go do this? I've been praying about it. Man, I just don't feel very good about that. Then don't go do that. It doesn't make sense to you. But this thing, this thing seems so wide open. I think I should do that. And so in those moments, Pam and I will pray and we'll say, okay, God, here's what we think we should do. And so we're going to give it about three days before we give an affirmative. And in those three days, if, if we're really off base, send us a definite sign, not some image in the cloud in the sky, but just something that will we'll, we'll, we'll say, no, it's wrong. Otherwise, we're moving that way because it just makes sense. Let me tell you why that works. Jesus said this, and Luke recorded it in Luke 6.45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. 
And the evil person out of this evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. See, when we're with Jesus, he makes clear our motivations. So when I'm trying to make a decision and I'm with Jesus, I should be have a, a greater clarity as to who am I doing this for? Am I doing this because I'm really in love with Jesus and it just makes sense that this is what he wants? Am I doing it because it's really for the benefit of the community? Or am I doing this because I'm selfish? And when I'm with Jesus, I get a much better clarity of that. So I think I'd been here about 10 years in Erie and it was the middle of winter, which we all love. And and I got somebody who called me and was inquiring whether or not I wanted to move to Southern California. Oh, don't do that in the winter. <laughs> and and, and there's, there was this, this church looking for a pastor, and it was actually on a university campus, which means that I could minister to university students, and, and it was in Southern California, and it was warm, and it doesn't snow there. And, and they said, in addition to that, we will pay for you to continue your education. I said, Pam. I said, Pam, because I didn't want to say Jesus. Because I already knew. I knew. I knew my motive. It had nothing to do with Jesus and nothing to do with this community of faith. It had everything to do with selfish desire to get warm and, and get a free education. And I had to say, no, are you sure? Well, if you want me to fly out and look, I can, but I'm going to say no. When we move in close to Jesus, we are able to tell, is, is Jesus good with this? And we can ask the question, is this decision I'm about to make, will it make me love Jesus more? Will it make me love the community of faith more? Will it make me love my family more? So being with Jesus gives us a clarity as to motive, and also it gives us clarity as to opportunity. I love this verse. It's been riding in my spirit for a couple of years now. It's Jeremiah 33, 3, and it says this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So let me break that down for you. Call to me means this. Come toward me and speak to me by name, and I will answer back to you. There is that with, that intimacy. I'm right there with you. And now I'm going to show you great things. That word great means I'm going to now reveal to you an understanding that you cannot normally have because you don't have the education for it or the experience for it or the insight. You could not normally know this, but I'm going to reveal to you now an understanding that you would not normally have. And I'm going to reveal to you great and unsearchable, that word unsearchable actually means those things that have been walled off from you so that you could never get there. I'm going to tear down that wall, and you're going to see now an opportunity that you have never seen before. And you're going to have an understanding that you now have the capacity and the ability and, and, and the giftings to get to there and be there and master that. I'm going to take you there. And up to this point, because you haven't been with me, you're missing the opportunity. The more you move in close to me, the greater the optic, the greater the lens that you can see the opportunities that are around you and have the confidence that you can achieve it.
there are business, and I just had this, this sense this week, that there are business and, and employment opportunities around us that we're not seeing. And I believe that as we spend more time with Jesus, we will begin to see those opportunities. Wait a minute, there it is. And, and, and we'll have the door open for us to go in and be favored by God to do that thing. But to focus, my focus cannot be so much on what am I going to do to get into that? My focus would be, Jesus, I'm with you. You just show me. Just show me. And it doesn't end when the door opens up and you walk in and begin to function because the more you're with Jesus, the greater he shows you even opportunities within your business, within your workplace, within your schooling. Greater opportunity and greater understanding to master it, to have the abilities, to have the full capacity, but it has to be with him. Some of you in this room, and, it, and, it, and it, I, I was, some of you want a mate. Some of you want a, a partner for life. You, you want to get married. And so I want to just say to you this. Quit looking. Quit looking and focus on Jesus. Now here's what's going to happen. You start focusing on Jesus and intimacy with him and saying, I'm giving you my life. What, would you, what do you want? You're going to find that as you're walking in life, suddenly your vision is going to change and you're going to see somebody that's walking parallel to you with that same depth of intimacy. And you're going to be attracted, not just because that person is attracted physically or, or their humor has attracted you, but because there is a presence of Jesus that matches the presence with you. And as you walk together, you will understand that you no longer have to find somebody you have to fix first before you can marry them. Don't do that. Jesus fixes people. And if they're not fixed by the time you, you need to get married, then leave them alone. Because once you get married, you're not going to fix them. Oh, I can tell you that. You, as you're following Jesus, will find someone who Jesus has begun to shape their character to a degree that just being with them creates in you a deeper hunger to pursue Jesus. And you'll find that as Jesus is shaping you, he's completing you. And I'm sorry, Tom Cruise, Pam doesn't complete me. Jesus completes me. And the best marriages are those where two people have been completed and come together to celebrate that completion. Invest your life into Jesus, and the most amazing thing will happen. You'll see the opportunity, you'll have the understanding, and you'll find yourself on the cutting edge of a journey that you didn't believe you could ever do or would ever do like, take, for instance, what happened to Eugene. By any logical standard, last spring, 28-year-old Eugene Yoon made the craziest decision of his life. I remember kind of just, like, looking up at the sky and being like, God, are you sure about this? Because I'm pretty happy right now. Did it feel like that, like a calling? It felt like a calling, but I tried to reject it for about two months because it was just too outlandish. 
What Eugene felt called to do was one really big random act of kindness. He didn't know who he was supposed to help or how. All he knew was that he had to help someone, and it had to be life-altering. And that's when a video came across his Facebook page. It was a video of a guy he never met named Arthur Renowitzki, a paraplegic in a t-shirt with bold letters of bold defiance. After being mugged, shot, and paralyzed eight years ago, Arthur vowed that he would walk again someday. And when Eugene heard about that, he called Arthur immediately. He wasn't going to give up until I was walking again. To walk again. To walk again. And you don't have a medical degree. I have a film degree. <laughs> Which makes you wonder then, how were you going to make him walk again? <laughs> this is the part I, I had no idea at the time. Eventually, though, he learned about this exoskeleton device that can help some people walk again. Unfortunately, it costs about $80,000. So, to pay for it, Eugene quit his job at a research company in Northern California to hike Here we go. from the California-Mexico border to Canada. Here we go. Along the way, he posted videos of the adventure and asked people to donate on social media. Until round about mid-Washington state, we did it! when Eugene learned we did it! that he had reached his fundraising goal. You're going to walk! And again, all this to help a total stranger. Yes! To quit his job, to go into debt from doing this, to help me get back on my feet. You don't meet people like that every day. Eugene Yoon felt called to make a difference in someone's life. But when he heeded that call, he had no idea what a difference he'd make. Until proof rounded the corner. This is the first time Eugene got to see Arthur walk. Oh, my God. I'm so happy for you. Thank you, brother. I call him my brother now. We are brothers. I'm just very thankful to have a friend like him. I wouldn't be here, man, if it wasn't for you. Makes you wonder. That little voice Eugene heard, was that ever about helping someone with a hardship? Or was it about helping two someones with a friendship? My friend Dick Foth says this about Jesus. He takes us places we never dreamed we could go, gives us ideas we never thought we could have, and gives us friends that last forever. And those friends are vital to our decision-making. You ever, you ever watch American Idol in the very beginning of the season where they're doing the auditions? And, and they interview people and they say, yeah, this, this is it for me. I've, I've sold everything. I'm, this is the deal. That I've, I've got to do this. I'm going to make this. I'm putting everything here. And, and, and this, is, this is what's got to have to happen. And then you listen to him sing. And you go, do you not have friends? Are they all tone deaf? What is that? It is a tough decision to put your dreams in the hands of others but it is essential when you're making major decisions to have trusted friends around you. For community exists to provide both encouragement and course correction. You've got to have people around you who will say, you can do this. You really can. And being honest with you. And others who will say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. If I had to ask you who is the, who is the, the apostle that you would say, impacted the world to the greatest, the greatest dimension, the, the greatest extent, who would you say? Paul. 
But watch how Paul got there. It was community. Luke records this, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Who did they send off? Okay, Paul and Barnabas. Okay, so I, want, I just want, to, want you to see what happened. They're together, they're praying, and community says, oh, wait a minute, you guys got to go. This is God's thing, and you got to go. They're encouraging, you, you really do need to go. And then I said, who did they send? And you said, Paul and Barnabas? No, they didn't. They sent Barnabas and Saul. You said, well, what's, what's the difference? It's this. First of all, the first person named is the one in charge. Barnabas was in charge as a representative of the community. Saul was still learning the ropes, how you do this thing. Saul still had, had personality quirks he needed to be taken care of. I mean, even before this time, God has sent him out into the wilderness for 12 years to help train this man. So it was Barnabas and Saul, and as Saul submitted himself to the context of the community and the decisions he would be, made, be making would be within the view of the community and especially as a representative of Barnabas, whose very name means the encourager. Down the road he would learn, and eventually it got to the spot where opportunity opened up for him and the Spirit of God flowed through him and eventually it would turn and not become Barnabas and Saul, but it would become Paul and Barnabas. No longer Saul of Tarsus, but Paul the Apostle. We go with God. And as we do that, as we are with God and we are with community, we begin to see opportunity and, and we begin to get understanding of what we should do. How do you want to live your life? What's important to you? Is, is education important to you? Is family important to you? Is honesty important to you? Is morality important to you? See, all those things are your values. And every single decision should be filtered through a pre-formed value system so that you already know that as you're making a decision, you've got, you've got this value system in place that says, wait a minute, I, I can do this because it's, it, it's okay, it goes to the value system, or go, no, 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 I can't do that because it conflicts with my value system. Write it down, and every decision goes through that. Years ago when Pam and I lived in Oregon, we had this wonderful lady, a great communicator, a wonderful teacher, and, and she, when she'd ask her to do something, she would do it in an excellent way. But here's the process every time we went to Gail. Hey, Gail, will you do this project or will you teach this class? And she'd say, give me a couple days, I'm going to pray. And here's what she would do. She would pray and then she would filter it through one very specific value, which is peace. If after thinking and praying about it, she did not feel like it would, it would give her peace between her and Jesus and keep her, her life peaceful or her family peaceful, she wouldn't do it because that was an important value for her. What are your values? Filter, your, filter all your decisions through those values. You say, well, where do I get values? I'm glad you asked. I think the, most, the, the greatest place where I think the greatest wisdom and morality is located is in the Holy Scriptures. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. There it is, right or wrong decision. In our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You want to make a right decision? 
Get a value system created by the, by the scriptures. Let me just narrow it down. Look at Jesus and see how he lived life and see what he taught and make a value system based on that. Big decision, small decision, all go through the values. So we're living in Oregon years ago. The Portland Trailblazers were playing the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA playoffs. Great teams. There's excitement. And I get this call from a guy who says, hey, I got two tickets to the Lakers Trailblazer game tonight, and I can't go. Can you use them? Can I use them? And then I remembered, I made a commitment for that night. And my mind is racing. How can I get out of this thing without lying? What, what can I, and I went through everything I could think of. And I've got this, 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 this dumb value that says this, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you commit, you do it. Oh, can I not be a Christian for like a day? <laughs> said, I can't use those tickets. I'm so sorry. And I'm glad I, I said that because I can't even tell you how that game turned out and what the score is because it doesn't matter, but my values matter. Filter everything through those values. You know, when I, when I started to go into pastoral ministry, I always thought, because I, in the 1970s, everybody going through, through ministry either went out as a lead pastor or a youth pastor. And I didn't want to be a lead pastor because that's just freaky, so I thought, Pfft, I, and I'm only 21, I can be a youth pastor. So I thought I was going to be a youth pastor. Well, I get this call from this church that says, hey, we want you to come be a worship pastor, a music director. I never thought about that. I'd, I'd, I'd studied music in college as a minor, but it wasn't my major. And I also had sat under the tutelage of an incredible uh, ranger, director, and conductor. And so I'd, I'd spent a couple years working with her. So I had that stuff down, but I never thought I could do that. Because here's what God does sometimes. Sometimes you'll get an opportunity and you have to look at it and say, is God telling me that there's stuff inside of me I didn't know was there? And so I, I, I talked to some trusted friends, community, and said, you know, this is, and, and they said, oh, yeah, you could do that. No, seriously, no, you could do that. Really? So with that opportunity God gave and the fact that, that we're praying and, and with Jesus and the community saying, yeah, 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 we went. And it was great. I learned a lot but it was perfect for that place and for what my skill level was. It was perfect. And while I'm doing that, they said to me, hey, you know, we watch, we're watching you and you're really into discipleship and, and into, into teaching. Could, could you develop a whole discipleship process? Seriously? Because I didn't study that either. And so I began to do that and, and it was perfect. I was a youth pastor for six months between, as an interim between two youth pastors, one leaving and one coming in, and I hated it. And they hated me. <laughs> I wasn't built for that. What are you built for? You need to know this. You, you, got, you got to know what God's built inside of you. That's why we offer this thing around here called the shape class. That's why we say, come in and sit down and let us talk to you about your history and about your personality and about your giftings and, and what the body of Christ, the community is saying about you. Know what that is. Man, if you can't sing, don't go to American Idol. 
See, if they called me right now and said, hey, do you want to be in charge of a counseling service? I'd say, you've got to be kidding me. Look at my spiritual gifting. Mercy is right down here. I'll teach, but don't, you don't ask me for mercy. That's why I married Pam. She's mercy. I had lunch yesterday with some friends and said, well, Pam's not going to be there. They said, okay, well, there won't be any love there, but we'll, we'll do that anyhow. Because <laughs> Pam's the mercy. Be sure your decisions are in shape. Be sure that God created you for that. When Pam and I were, were wrestling with the decision to move to the West Coast when we got this offer for the music thing, we had, we had settled in. We were ready to go. She was going to finish some education, and I had a jobs. I had two jobs. I was working, and we'd just gotten married. We are both 21, and, and we get this invitation to, to, to go to California, which is just, you know, we've never been that far west, and, and we don't know what to do. How do you make this decision? And I had heard that there's this guy that's coming to town that actually was an overseer of hundreds of churches on the West Coast, is known for his wisdom, known for having a good insight as to what God is saying in somebody's life. And, and so I found out what hotel, I contacted his room, and I got a hold of him, and I said, could we just have a few minutes of your time? We know you're busy. And he was. He just, from, from morning to evening, he had meetings. And he said, yeah, I'll take some time. So Pam and I went over to meet with him. And now, I need to understand, I'm 21, and I'm going to talk with this man of God, and so I, I know he's going to give me some very, very deep theological issues and questions and, and tests, and, and so we sit down, and he says, okay, tell me what's going on. I said, well, we've been praying, and we've been asking Jesus, and we just want to do what Jesus wants us to do. We're really, that's the truth. We just want to be with him. And we've, and we've got this opportunity to go out and do this thing and music. I've never done music. I, you know, just I, I, I explain the whole thing to him. And so now I brace myself for this flood of theology. And he says, so you've been praying, yeah. You just want what Jesus wants, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is there, is there anything ethically, morally, or scripturally why you can't do this? No. Do you want to do this? Yes. Then go do it. He got up and left. I said, Pam, what just happened? She said, I think we're going to California. <laughs> See, in all of this, you've got to do this. You've got to decide, is this something I want to do? I mean, Jesus is going to let me do that? Because, see, I grew up thinking that Jesus would only let me do the things I want, didn't want to do, that he would never give me the things I wanted to do because I just didn't deserve them. And I had to go through this whole grace revolution in my life to understand he just loves it when I love it. You say, well, I can do anything I want, and I didn't say that. King David had it right. He said this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, you start with the delight because that's the command. And that word delight actually means to wrap yourself around the one who rules everything. Wrap yourself around him. And then what will happen is that you will begin to see as he sees and absorb what he desires. And then you go, yeah, that makes, I want that. And it just makes divine common sense. I, I love the story of Joseph. Joseph just, just wanted to honor God. And it said that, that whatever he did, God made it prosper. God said, hey, we're together. So if you decide you're going to go do that, that sounds great. There it is. It's going to work. Uzziah became king of Israel at age 16. It said he sought the Lord. 
He said he did right in the sight of God. And the scripture says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. It's that with thing. As long as you're with him, that word sought actually means to, to follow, to frequent, to be with. As long as you're with him and walking with him and absorbing in him and wanting to, to just be with him and honor him and love him, he says, ah, okay, you're going to get this. I'm going to show you and then you're going to make the right decisions and you're going to get there. And, I'm, and then the word prosper means to break out. It, it means, it means to, to push through, to get out of that womb and that thing that's been tying you down and to move forward into something that you didn't even know you could do or want to do and you get there, you go, oh, I was made for this, it's so great. See, the end game of all this decision-making is this. We get to be with new people to do new things in new places. Things that we didn't even know we could do. But the greatest part of all this is that the people we're with get to experience us being with Jesus. Because if I'm with Jesus and I'm with them, then they can't help but seeing who I'm with and they get to meet. And isn't that a big enough reason for us to get out of the womb? So what are you becoming? God's designing, are we deciding? Some of you are just tied too tight to the womb. Some of you are, are just wrapped up with fear and you gotta just start working on being just focused with Jesus and he's gonna release you. You're gonna see opportunity and have understanding. And today, you just gotta declare that, 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 that I, I wanna trust him. I, I wanna have that ability. I wanna have that capacity. I wanna have that mastery. And so I, I just think today we should end this way that that if you're ready to say, you know, I think I'm just tied too tight. I, I think I, I need to have greater opportunity. I need to see things beyond. Some of you have been stirred already and you don't know even what to do. And you're waiting for Jesus to tell you something and you just need to move close to him. If, if today you're saying, I'm ready for adventure. I'm, I'm ready to, to go for whatever he's got and I'm gonna just spend time with him and, and see what he tells me and be ready for the opportunity. If that's you, I wanna pray over you. Just stand where you are right now. There you go. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. That's great. Now, I'm going to ask you that are not standing, you see some folks around you that, that are standing, because they're really serious about this, because we're community, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and then if you're close to them, I want you to reach over and just put a hand on their shoulder to say, I'm praying for you. And, and, and we're going to pray together that, that what they're desiring, they're now going to see, and the desires that God places within them are going to come to pass. So would you stand, everybody? And if someone's close to you, just reach over and, and lay a hand on them. So now in the name of Jesus, I pray over you that you now may be blessed with an increased passion to be with Jesus that you will find such joy that you'll want to get up earlier and, and, and the things that you normally do, you put aside just so that you can talk to him and be with him and let him show you his great joy in you. That he will shape you now. And that you'll see that the shaping that he's doing in you has been for a purpose because he's birthing something new in you. And that you 
will be with him. And when he says go, you'll hear him. And that you will have an incredible confidence knowing that the ability has already been placed within you, the capacity is full within you, and you will master that which he now sends you to do. May you have a clear lens that there'll be no doubt what he's saying. And may you have around you the community that will speak to you with the encouragement that will say, yes, this is God. And if there is a course correction, may you have the wisdom to listen to the counsel of the elders around you. And may you find within that yielding and submission a great peace and a great joy in the journey that's ahead. And may you be thrilled and excited in these days to come with what God's saying to you and doing through you. In the name of the Father, Son, And Holy Spirit, we seal you now. Amen. Amen.